Glory to your name, Jesus. Thank you, my God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. I'm going to let you be seated. Thank you for being here tonight. It's good to see you all. I, uh, I give honor to Bishop and Sister Schoonover. It's good to see them and have them with us tonight. I give honor to my parents as well. I'm so glad that they are still here with us. And honor to all of you. Good to see you all. Uh, I, I want to give Bishop and Sister Schoonover an opportunity to speak to you just however long or short they, they might feel. Um, in fact, I'm going to let them decide which one goes first. While they're deciding, we are in February now. February. January is coming on. January 31st used to be a, a nightmare of a day to me because I used to do things like payroll and W-2s and tax documents that had to be out by that day. I say that to say I know that Sister Schoonover has been working to that end over just the last few days and weeks, and so I appreciate all that she does for, for our family, for our congregation, for all of our congregations of Life Church. I'm thankful to her for that, and um, with that, I'd love to hear from the Schoonovers. God bless you. Um, I, I am totally unprepared, but I will testify because God is good. He is so good. And um, it's been um, a beautiful day. I, this last month, I've had so much thankfulness in my heart every day for the simplest of things. And I've had to really... Um, bring my flesh under subjection. Um, there's so many things in life that happens that we did not sign up for. Do you ever feel that way? This was not in the plan. I had a plan in my mind, and this was not part of it. And every year I read the Bible, I, I, I attempt to read the Bible through and I think I've mentioned this here. I buy another one-year Bible. I like to make notes in it, and I like to, um, um, and I hope maybe that, you know, I think I'm up to maybe close to 10. I want to leave a Bible for each one of my grandchildren. And, you know, I have 10, and hopefully I'll have 11 or 12. I don't know. I'm thankful that they love family, and they love large families. And then, you know, with all my kids. And so um, last year, 2020, I skipped the book of Job. Not interested in all the lamentations in 2020. I think I even skipped the book of lamentations. And I did. I just, I don't think I've ever done that before. Of course, you know, I lived it, 2020. Um, 
of course, I'm not always, I don't get every day, you know, sometimes I'll just get a scripture, but, you know, I try to read it and, and live it and try not for it to be a box that I check off. Do you feel that way? When I read the word of God, I want it to be written on my heart and I want it applicable in my everyday life. My human reasoning is not anointed. I have the Holy Ghost that works through me and the unction of God. Unction is something that will come out after it's been put in. And to have the unction of God, I have to put this in first. And that's the only way you're going to get the unction of the Holy Ghost. Um, God can have unction upon you as you speak in tongues and you are filled with his spirit. So the word of God is very important to me and every word in his in it is anointed. I always get lost in those minor prophets. Do you guys understand all that jazz, those minor prophets? Again, I'm just saying I'm testifying. Sometimes, you know, they're referring back to the things that happened in Exodus and and so I did this this year. I found a book that I decided to read the chronological Bible, which I did that one year, chronological one-year Bible. And can't say I really cared for it. You know, you're going to read some of those. When you get to the parables, you're going to read them four times. You know, things like that. If you've ever read a chronological Bible, well, lo and behold, this year I'm doing chronological Bible and I bought this book that goes with the chronological reading that then gives a recap every day, every day. And so I'm doing that. Do I need to be explained to what happened with Noah and the boat? Not really. But I'm reading it and it's, you know, sometimes it's like reading a new a new translation. They're going to come in maybe from a side where I never thought of it that way before. Especially when you can almost quote the word as it's coming up. You're, oh, yeah, yeah, da, 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 da. Sometimes I need to mix it up a little bit and come in a little bit differently, even though what I'm studying, of course, is just King James. Chronological Bible, wouldn't you know it? Job happens around Genesis 12. Man, this year I read it and I devoured it. It really, I embraced it. And am I having a Job experience? I am not. But I saw so many things in Job that all of my, you know, I wasn't raised in church, but I have had the Holy Ghost for maybe going on 40 years because I'm really a lot, I'm really old as a matter of fact, but, um, Job, you look through it, the things that stood out to me this time, even his four friends and all of the three friends and all of the, and whenever those three friends were talking about God, they had it right. But whenever they were given their opinion of Job, Yada, yada, yada. Remember, Elder Hart was here a couple weeks ago, and he preached out of Job. And I was like, oh, yes, there we go. And I, wanted to, I had to go up to him afterwards, like the little groupies, and talk about Job. And did you see this? Da, 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 da. And I've never been that way about Job. Are you kidding me? But those three friends, whenever they were giving their opinion, they were missing it. 
whenever they were talking about God, they were right on. And even the one friend that came in later that had been watching quietly, um, you know, God did tell them, God made them offer a sacrifice for the counsel they gave Job. He did deal with them. I spent two days thinking about the counsel that we give. If you're a servant, if you're, you want to evangelize, you want to share the gospel, all of us, you don't have to be a counselor. But when you're trying to talk to people about Jesus and you're coming a lot up alongside of them in their pain, you're going to give advice. I spent two days thinking about how much I really do need to shut my mouth unless it's scripture or God-inspired. Because we feel like, especially um, as a leader of a church, we feel like we always have to have an answer. We have to have an answer. And that's not true. And then at the end of Job, I realized that God bottom line is God loved so much. It wasn't until Job appeared at the end of the book. And again, I I didn't know I was going to testify tonight. I'd I'd love to put some notes down for this someday. But near the end of the book, Job, who, what's the kind of person that thinks that they're deserving of everything? Entitled. Job had just enough entitlement in him that it came out towards God and God came back with him with anger. And then like elder Hart talked about the other day, he starts out with first, he takes care of the people that were giving silly counseling and tells them to go and and do a sacrifice. And then he starts out with it. I, who did this, I, who formed you, I, who made the earth, I, da, da, da. And you don't think I'm not going to. And so there was that, it took all of that to get to that little bit of entitlement that needed to be dealt with. And when it was all said and done and he gave him multiplied, gave him so much more at the end. Sometimes we, that's all we hear about was, oh, we got so much more at the end. And that's not even what it's all about. Today, I said to someone on the phone, I said, I've never been the person to say this. Never. But, but as much as I have embraced Job this year, whatever that person is going through, which is so much, their cross has been so big and so heavy for such a young age. I said, God must really, really have big plans for their life. I've never thought that way. He's going to pull stuff out of us we didn't know we had. And the people that are the leaders are the ones that are in the biggest trouble some of the time. We feel a little bit, I feel a little bit entitled once in a while. Because I fasted this, I did this, I did this, I, you know, and really I'm bargaining with God and he will deal with me. I have a new, a new appreciation for the book of Job. And I'm so thankful that happened this year. It'll be a downright miracle if I get a new appreciation for the book of Lamentations. I'll let you know on that. I don't think that's happening. But, um. 
Do you love the word of God? Have you found a way to, to make it a part? There's some things we have to schedule in. I remember scheduling in going up and get going to the gym every day. How much more should I be scheduling? Now, it's terrible that I have to schedule in, but if you wake up and go to work, you have to put it on your calendar. You have to make sure you're tithing time to God. Be in a good stewardship of our time. And believe me, you're talking to the person that, you know, so much of the time, my servanthood is of good works. And it's very important that I'm at his feet. I shared in this congregation, only this congregation alone, I shared a little bit a couple of months ago what I was going through with my little sister. She's still alive. And I believe that God is giving her grace. She's living in a time of grace. She should not be alive right now. She is doing outpatient kidney dialysis three times a week, but all of her other organs are shutting down. They only let her go home because um, she talked them into going home for Christmas because she has two adult children at home that need her. A couple months ago, and I'm going to share this with you, a couple months ago, probably three months ago, I had spent a week praying, and I kept going back to this prayer. You know, when, you, when you've been so involved in the work of God, the work of the kingdom, and then you get to a certain age, and I said to the Lord, how do you want me to serve you the last third of my life? How do you want me? What do you want me to do? I, I don't, I need to be a little focused instead of just play out, let things happen randomly. And I know God presents needs to us and we serve him. But Lord, what am I, what am I supposed to do? I've been so focused in the, the work of the kingdom up until now. And, and now <laughs> here I am on this farm. And so... I know I'm serving you by serving my husband, being alongside of him. I know I'm serving you by loving you each and every day. I know I'm serving you by continuing to parent my adult children, whether they want it or not. I know I'm serving you, and I'm on a mission to see all 10 of my grandchildren have an appreciation for the Word of God and be filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. But God, is there something I'm supposed to be doing different? Show me what I'm supposed to do with the last, okay, if I live to 90, the last third of my life. Then this thing happened with my sister. And it continued to play out. And my sister and I, it's an unusual story and I won't take time for it, but I really didn't know her life and I knew she had disabled children. I only saw them once in a while when I would fly back there and, and push my way into her life. But I knew very little. 
What I realized is when my sister passes, they have no one else. And I will be their guardian. I will bring them to disabled, can't live on their own adults. I will bring them to Washington and be their guardian. I'll get them in housing and I've got a plan. For three days, I really, really battled with that. I was a little bit angry. Like, ugh, this isn't how I saw retirement. This is, ugh, I, I'm supposed to be at the jail giving Bible studies all the time. This was not in my plan, God. And I would talk to my husband about it every day on the phone. I would talk to my children about it. They had to be on board with it because what I'm doing is bringing these people. They are now going to be part of our family. And the love of Christ and the love of God that is in my husband all I could hear in my ear was my husband saying, yep, the kids are raised now. Kids are raised and gone. I've got you back. I've got you back. It's like we're newly wedding again. I'm like, oh, no. And I had an experience in my hotel room, and God just gave me such complete peace. And he said, you were asking me about the last third of your life, he didn't audibly say that. I wish he would have because I was really needing a huge sign, audible sign, knock me down, let me wear a, an ephod and let all the lights go off. Yes, no. Be very clear, God. I need it because this is really muddy. This is really muddy. And I would speak with my husband every day and my children and three days into it, they were like, bring them up, mom, bring them up. We will show them how a family operates and we will love them and we will help you. It's easy to say that now because it hasn't started. But we can't, what I realized inside myself is there was just enough spiritual pride that I didn't even realize I had. Because I would rather be teaching. I would rather be exhorting the word of God. I would rather have my heels on and my nails done and walk up to that office I'm supposed to make up there and be the bishop's wife. I have a different... I, I repented. To give a drink of water to the least of these. If nobody else steps in for them, they will be homeless. The majority of our people that are homeless are those, they just had nobody. They have nobody that will step in and be in the gap for them. And so when it was all said and done, by the end of that week, I was like, I asked, didn't I? I asked you, Lord, bam, bam, bam. But I receive it in Jesus' name. 
Serving God isn't always what we think it's going to be. Living where you live, the congregation you're in, where are you growing? Where are you growing? Are you scheduling time into your daily life for spiritual growth? Because this is not supposed to be the only place. Get yourself a good Bible. Get yourself a commentary. And schedule in maybe so much an hour. Now, that book I, I got alongside that I read after I read my chronological Bible, there are a number of things. I'm not sure what faith she's of, but I'm already crossing out quite a few things there. No, nah, nah, there wasn't three. Black line. And what does that do? That brings to my realization I've got to be sharp. I have to have a love for the doctrine. My grandchildren have to have a love for the doctrine. And so it's February 2nd, and that's the way my year started out. And I am so thankful for everything, every blessing, the health that my husband and I have. My grandchildren, they're all in church. I'm so thankful. Do you feel that thankfulness today? God is so good to us. He is so good to us. I wonder if we can just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing in our life. Thank you, Lord, that you care about me enough and you love me enough to purge what needs to be purged from my life. I give every moment to you, oh God. I love you. And I praise you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you for listening to me ramble a couple minutes. Amen. Wonderful. God bless you. Well, we do a lot of preaching. We do a lot of teaching. I did twice this last Sunday. I think I did last Tuesday. Here I am Tuesday. Can we just talk? I marveled, really, by Sunday. Let me just give you a little synopsis here. If you remember, it was last Tuesday. Um, I followed Elder Flowers and... I think I'd shared I'd been up in early in the morning and God was giving me direction about something. And I didn't know where I would speak. Anyway, that was the beginning of something. <laughs> and it kept building and growing by Sunday. Uh, what I ministered, well, I kind of went back and tagged on it Sunday morning. And then I ministered in the afternoon service and uh, with the Kent group. Man, it was like the Holy Ghost took us into a realm. <laughs> it was such intercession that came into the room, and uh, I, I was just marveled. Uh, anyway, that's exciting, being a part of the kingdom of God and how the Spirit of God will lead us. I was thinking as my, uh, my wife was talking to you, um, about change. 
we can change. Some, somebody said you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, you can. We're not talking about dogs yet. But um, my experience through life, you know, I have, I have prayed for people who I desperately believed they need to change. And now looking from a different vantage point in time, they've changed. They've changed so much they're wonderful to be around. And they needed that change, but they changed. And so that gave me faith to continue praying for those who may, I may have contact with in my life, or I might not have contact with in my life, but I know there is great need for them. It's like these two children in their 30s. They're, they need change, and with God, all things are possible to them that believe. Okay? Now, sometimes we think, well, others can change, but, you know, <laughs> maybe not me, not myself. I, you know, I've, I've been trying to change. Okay? And I think in life, we find ourselves in that precarious situation more than once, more than twice, and often many times through the years, if there's enough years, and sometimes we go back and attack it again. Or we see this other area in our life that we're, eh, we're not really happy with, and so we try to take control of the situation and change it somehow. Okay? I've experienced change through life that I knew it was just the hand of the Lord that's brought a, it, it has to be supernatural. If he's involved, it's supernatural, but it's affecting the natural. I'm going to give you the most simple example I can give to you. I think it was on Queen Avenue in Yakima. I was in the second grade. Walking down the sidewalk, and a scruffy little dog, one of those ankle biters, came running out from somebody's house and bit my ankle. Well, it wasn't the bite that hurt so bad. It was how it struck me. It struck a fear in me of little biting dogs. Anyway, at various times, I dealt with it in my life. And then I went and bought some dogs. I was going to raise some dogs to try to put my kids through uh, college. Well, that didn't work. They overturned a tractor on the property we were living on. And when they took the tractor apart, they put all the antifreeze in a bin and just set it and left it there. When my puppies went by and took a drink, by that night, they were all gone. Oh, it was tragic. It was traumatic. It was traumatic. It was traumatic. Mostly for Loren. <laughs> and so, anyway, I've had, I've had these various experiences in life where I've watched people and their dogs. I had a close friend that we were very involved in ministry with that 
I observed his wife and her dog. And it appeared to me as though she was so afraid of people that she put all her affection on the dog like it was literally a baby. And it was driving me crazy. If I was around, when I was, and I was a little bit, anyway. It was a couple of years later, I was ministering with this gentleman. We were in another country. And he said, and I told him, I had told him, I said, Brother, I just got this big caution, and I, you know, you and I are friends, and so it just seems like your wife put so much attention on that dog, and he said, I know, she's been wounded in life, and she really misplaces her love for people on that dog, and so I went away from that saying, well, listen, I've been praying about that dog. And six months later, I get a call from him. You're not going to believe what happened. What? He said, I was playing with my wife's dog with a sock. And I hit my wife's dog in the face with a sock, and it had a heart attack and dropped dead. And I'd remembered you'd prayed about my dog. You didn't tell your wife that. No, 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 I haven't told her. Well, time is, I don't know if time avails itself. I got a half a dozen stories like that that involve dogs that are no longer living. I never prayed for a dog to die but I did pray for the Lord to intervene in some situations and he did and I you know I'm sorry it's kind of a running joke with Pedro Guzman and I you know don't let Bishop get near your dog don't let Bishop get near because one of them was his dog so anyway people think I don't like dogs I've been harsh at times. You know, when I see idolatry, I've been harsh at times about it. But I think people as a whole, I just had too many negative experiences with situations and people. People as a whole, I think they get the idea, you know, Bishop don't like dogs. Don't, you know, put those dogs away. Bishop's coming over. (laughs) Well, about six months ago, my wife kept saying, maybe we should get a dog. Maybe we should get a dog. And I thought, she can't be serious. But she kept saying it. And so, I did some research and I went and got a dog. Little Australian Shepherd. See, she's been allergic to animals all her life. And so she kept saying this, you know, maybe we should get a dog. And I'm thinking, you're allergic to dogs. You're allergic to everything that's an animal. You don't even like the cows. And so I thought, well, let's, we could just keep it outside all the time. And so 
anyhow, I went and got this dog. And the life adjustment ensued. And then uh, some of our kids in Puyallup, they, they got a puppy, and they ended up not being able to keep it. So now we have two dogs. But now as I watch them, I wish we would have got two to start. But uh, anyhow, I have watched my wife with these. They are her puppies, I'm telling you. I mean, you better take care of them puppies. And so um, we have changed. Now, that's a, this is a dramatic change, in my opinion, uh, at this stage in our life, um, <laughs> I, I've heard people snicker in the background and say, now maybe Bishop understand why we are the way we are with our dogs, you know. And I, I'm changing. I'm changing in my perspective, in my as- those aspects. Matter of fact, now, you know, it used to be I'd be frustrated. I see a dog that was getting all this, uh, you know, was was chaotic and affecting people's lives and people were having to cancel their trip because of their dog or you know there was just so many and I would see situations and I'd be oh my goodness you know well I've changed now it's like oh <laughs> and I'm thinking hey I'm changing I'm changing again Here's an area in life, and I'm changing again. Now, I realize this isn't about the Bible or about, <laughs> you know. But there's, very, there's areas in life that we change. When, when my wife began to talk about the situation with her niece and nephews, nephew, um, I listened, and I could, uh, and I, and I never had a feeling of, oh no, what's she gonna say here? What's she gonna get us into? I never had a thought. I never had a feeling. I knew that she needed to go down and stay a week. You were there a week or so, ten days. She needed to be there because she wouldn't live with herself afterwards had she not done it. And so she went. We sacrificed the time apart, and when she began to talk about, you know, Pam's not going to be around, and and these kids have nobody, I was fine. So bring them to Washington. We'll just adjust. Now, I can't say truthfully that I've ever had that much peace with making an adjustment or saying we're going to make an adjustment. Now, this isn't just like making an adjustment like we're going to, you know, drive a different car or something. And it is a situation coming into the family, but you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to share a couple little stories here. There's a man in the Puyallup congregation that took care, I mean, in the, their home, took care of them till their mother, till his mother and dad were in their 90s. I think the dad died at 96. Had them in their home so their kids 
could watch him and his wife care for his mom and dad. Now, get this. They got baptized in Jesus' name in their 90s. In their 90s. He baptized them. I was there. I watched. I couldn't believe we were doing it. You know, they had to get him. He couldn't hardly walk. Never mind get up in there. And boy, he did. And man, I mean, they prayed. And I thought, wow, this is one of the most beautiful things. Because all of the, these years, there was strife. There was trouble. There was trauma in the house and the family. And so now, here they are approaching end of life. And Mel Berglund leads them in the word of God to the gospel and their salvation. I, I, I just thought, I can't even believe we're seeing this happen. I don't know if this is possible. They say that when people get into their senior years, it is less likely for them to make a life change. Because when they do it, it's like admitting their whole life was wrong or a mistake or something to that effect. I watched it with my dad. Okay. And so that impacted me. I didn't know if I could ever do that, but that impacted me. Matter of fact, I think it moved my watermark a little bit. Closer away from where I thought I couldn't do, where I couldn't be, to, well, move a little bit. Okay. So, another little story. My father, my father's second wife, her name was Ali Bodner, Ukrainian, came from the Ukraine, was an airline stewardess. My dad was an airline pilot. He was already divorced. They met, they married. And then my father passed. And she married one of his, not friends, but he was also a pilot. They, were all, they would all fly uh, F-105 Thunder Chiefs at an air base in New Jersey. And so they all kind of hung together. Fighter pilots, they hang together. They got fighter pilot mentality. But the guy was very, uh, uh, he's, well, he was... 10 years older than her. So he, he just turned 90. Now, this was his second marriage. His first marriage, his wife died some years previous, but they had a son. The son was still living with him. Did you hear me say he was 90? He's 90. His son passed away this last year. He was the caregiver for his son, who was in his 60s. Now, when my wife and I visited them, I watched this. And I'm looking at Ernie. They're both Ernie. Ernie Sr., Ernie Jr. <laughs> and, and Ernie needed help. Uh, you suppose he uh, was, had the maturity of a child? He had the mental maturity of a child. He was 60 years old. Ernie had been caring for him, the father, all his life. 60 years. 
and treated him like he was a 10-year-old boy getting ready for school. Come on now, Ernie. It's time for bed. Come on now. Come on. And talked as gentle and calm and peaceful to him with love and compassion like I've never seen. Get up in the morning. Got your stuff ready, Ernie? The bus is coming. Come on now. Let's get you out the door. Come on. And he'd get him out the door. And every living moment as I watched and I listened to them exchanged, I was amazed. Again, I thought, I have never seen this anywhere in my life. How a man or a woman, uh, an individual could have so much compassion in that situation. So I'm going back and, and in my mind I'm kind of wondering because I grew I I didn't grow up with them, but I had a lot of time spent with a fighter pilot in my home. They were pretty proud. They felt pretty good about themselves. I'll just tell you that right now. They were the best. They were the elite. They let you know it. One time my dad got a re, uh, a promotion in the military. He came home and told us I expect a little more respect around here. Well, we lived with our mom most of the time, and we just laughed. Ha, 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 what are you talking about? Probably a good thing we're still living. No. But, but I just, I couldn't imagine my dad making that kind of a sacrifice. I couldn't imagine any of those fighter pilots that used to hang around my dad's house. Uh... And I listened to him talk. I just couldn't imagine any of them doing anything like that for another human being. Okay? And so I, I, I guess I just was kind of rehearsing what Ernie's life must have been like as he and his wife worked through life. You know, he, he too was a fighter pilot. Matter of fact, we went up into his loft in their house, and there was a fighter pilot room. And I mean, he had parts of airplanes that he had crashed in. He was like Dexter Yeager. And I'm sure he could tell stories. Well, I just, uh, I, I marveled that this, here's what I saw. I knew the personality that I was now being exposed to had been made. It was made by the circumstances that he grew up with, with his son. It fashioned him. It molded him. It made him who he was, which was so distinctly different. So, situations come to our lives by God's choosing. Oftentimes... Because in his mind, we're not the one he intended yet. So he brings scenarios out of our control. And some things will forever change who we become. There's the, uh, the scripture, I think, in the prophets that talks about the wheel the potter's wheel, we being clay on the potter's wheel. And him expressing, you know, can't I make you what I want you to be? Matter of fact, the clay that was on the wheel, the Bible says, it was marred. 
in the hand of the potter. Of course, the clay would, would, would cry out, Ah! I'm hurt! I'm marred! I'm broken! When it should be saying, Oh, thank God, I'm still in the hand of the potter. Whatever circumstance he may take me through, lead me into being his will, his purpose. I'm trying to make you what I want you to be. And I need you to be formed and shaped because there's somebody nearby that your shape, because of what you've become, is going to fit up next to somebody else that I shape through their circumstances. And Twain or all those others around become the functioning body of Christ. Could you imagine that in your 20s, God would see you and look ahead and there's places in the body and some parts of the world wherever and there are other people that you don't know now but he has intended for you to come to know them you've heard me say when I was introduced to Tony Bailey he said he had my name on a piece of paper on his desk for two years somebody in the kingdom of God had told him well we did we met we ended up traveling for two years ministered all over and so you begin to realize of course now that his wife's dog died well you know we haven't talked about it. <laughs> but he looks ahead in time you know we think that it should all happen that way from the very beginning and then and we move forward and we participate. No, there are places, there are things that we are to be. We just got to consider his desire to shape us for his purpose. See, there's times coming ahead that we're not aware of. That there are situations in, his, in our lives that he will use to prepare us for an hour, a place, a people. That will be effectual. Not because of us, but because of that shaping process to make us. So what if we resist that process? I'm, I'm getting off this wheel. I'm getting off this wheel. You keep hurting me. <laughs> Look at a scar. Let's pray for a minute here. Come on, it, this is personal. Each soul. Every soul. Come on, this is personal between you and the Lord. I accept the things that you bring to pass in my life, Father. I accept those things that have marred me. Jesus. Because it brought something that you intended, Father. For your purpose alone. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You know that the Lord is a Savior, right? He's a Savior. 
you know that humanity is prone to fail. Prone. We are prone to fail. We're, we're, not, we're not prone to succeed at everything and to be perfect in our humanity. Every once in a while you hear me say, we're perfect. We're perfect humanity. I accept that, don't you? I'm human. I'm a perfect human being. God's fine with that in my humanity. Now, there's a perfecting process that he puts us in. But that's what makes him the Savior. He was, you know, it wasn't plan B. He created humanity that was prone to fail so he could be a savior. Jehovah. Joshua. What does it mean? Not just God. Elohim, the self-existent one. Yahovah. Yeah, you realize Jehovah is not the real word. It was Y-H-V-H. They stuffed vowels in the middle of the consonants to make it pronounceable because they didn't speak the name Y-H-V-H. But let's use it. Jehovah or Yahovah. Or Joshua. Or Jesus. Jehovah was God has become salvation. Elohim was God the self-existent one. Him and self. But then he created mankind. He created humanity prone to fail because Innate in God is the desire to save and be a redeemer. Let's pray again here. Father, we're thankful to you. We're thankful to you, Lord Jesus. We trust you. We believe you. Hallelujah. We believe you, Father. We trust you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You know, sometimes you'll see people on two ends of the spectrum. You'll see those who have uh, who fail, and they're down on themselves so much because they have failed, and can't believe that God could accept the fact that they fail. I'm not talking about just failing once. Anybody here that just failed once? <laughs> oh, okay. Don't have to deal with it then. <laughs> but you have that end of the spectrum. And then the other end of the spectrum is the person that wants you to believe they never fail. They are perfect. They are perfected. And, and, they're, and the, the greatest effort that they pour into your life is keeping that covered up. 
<laughs> I want to find myself in the middle, standing, walking in the grace of God, and trusting and believing He is His Savior. Let me. We baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. The name is what redeems or what remits the sin. It washes away our sin. Water doesn't wash away sin. Water is a process of, ap of applying the name through burial. Romans 6, therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. It is a burial process in water. That's why we put them all the way. We don't sprinkle. We don't splash. Matter of fact, sometimes we hold their feet down. That's the application. So, if you know this as an eternal truth, truth what's uh, Acts 4.12? Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's a whole lot of saving going on there. How? In the name. But as we continue to read through the scriptures, we discover the, the application of that name was in the water. Okay? Now. I love starting out a Jesus name baptism Bible study with Matthew 28, 19. That's my starting point. Go ye into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, let's go in Scripture and find out where they did that. How did they apply that command? They did apply it. Okay, let's go. Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. Wow, it's full of it in here. And they did it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, you've been baptized in Jesus' name. Now, you fail. You, you fall. You, whatever it is that you do, that you realize, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Having the confidence in the name, the application of the name, I can fend off any accusing voice. You know, I've watched people get beat over and over, beat over the head from the accuser of the brethren. Accusing voices. I just can't, I can't push it back. It's, it's, I feel condemned, I feel this, I feel that. You've got to get the revelation of the name to fight that off. To defend against it in a moment. Because if you don't, you withdraw. You pull back. You disqualify yourself in being used by the Lord, which brings fulfillment, which brings victory. Amen? It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Praise God. Well, we started talking about dogs. <laughs> Listen, change 
It's possible. Read the story of Colonel Sanders. And his great success in life when he got into his 80s. Change is possible. I just, I want you to know that because there's times when people give up on that and they just accept, ah, this is just who I am. When there's things in their own life that they're not pleased or happy with. Change is possible. Where God is involved. Amen. I'm not talking about changing your habits. I'm talking about submitting to the Lord and him bringing a supernatural change in who you are. Praise God. Yep. Thank you. Elder Flowers. Will you stand with me? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for speaking to us tonight. I thank you for ministering to us tonight, God. I know that you have spoken to every person that's here, every person that's here tonight, God. Lord, I thank you for being willing to work in us and through us and with us. Lord, you take that which is imperfect and you make it perfect. Jesus, you're the creator and you're the savior. I thank you for it, God. Lord, I receive it tonight. I submit myself, Lord, to you. I submit my life to you, God, that you would make me what you want me to be. Lord, I acknowledge that through my past, Lord, you have been there all along. God, you have been there working all along. Every decision, Lord, every turn, Lord God, you've been there. Jesus, you have been writing this story. Lord, I thank you for it. God, I know that you have greater things ahead. You have greater things ahead, Lord Jesus. I thank you for that which is to come, Lord. I thank you for that what you will do in me, God. Lord, I submit myself right now. I submit myself right now, Lord Jesus. God, I want you to find an attitude in me, one that says, Lord, I put my life down before you. God, that I commit my works to you. Jesus, every thought, every action, Father. Lord, I commit it to you, God. I know that you have a plan. I know that you have a plan for me, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I thank you for it, God. I receive this word tonight, Lord. I receive it, God. I want it to have its way in me. Lord, I want it to accomplish its perfect work in my life. Jesus, in your name. 
Jesus in your name. Lord, I pray that there would be no pride in me, Lord, that would prevent me from walking in your path. God, I pray that there would be no self in, in me that rises up, God. Lord, that it would be something you have to work through or around, God. But I lay my life down right now, Jesus. Lord, when you speak to me, God, I want to have an amen in my spirit. Jesus, I want to have a willingness to hear and follow, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I commit my time to you right now, God. I commit my time each day, Father, to you, God, that I would walk in your ways, that I would walk in your ways, Lord, that I would hear your voice, that I would speak what you tell me to speak, Lord, that I would commit to that which you ask me to commit to. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, one month of this year is already gone. One month of this year is already gone. It's a symbol that time is passing. And we have this opportunity to get right with God, to be in His will, to be in His service. Lord, in Your name, Jesus, I thank You for it. I thank You for it, God. In the name of Jesus, I thank You, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You are all dismissed. Thank you for being here and letting the Lord continue to work on you. Amen. Yes, if, few of me, if, you, if a few of you men are willing, we have some things that we need to, to unload and carry into the building. Bishop's going to direct us.